Welcome to the Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast, covering agriculture and all things related in East Carroll, Madison, Tinsall, Concordia, and Catahoula Parishes. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the uh, this week's edition of the Louisiana Crops, Louisiana Delta Crops Podcast. Can, I can't get it out today for some reason. Uh, anyway. I'm your host for today, R.L. Frazier. I'm county agent here in Madison Parish. I got on the phone with me, Mr. Dennis Burns down in Catahoula Parish, and Miss Kylie Miller also in Catahoula. Well, Dennis, are you in Catahoula or, Con- or uh, uh, Concordia today? That's, that's now I'm neither one. Oh, I'm actually, well, I'm, I'm actually at the Macon Ridge Research Station, sitting in a cover crop field, supposed to be fixing the fly. They want Dr. Josh Copes wants some aerial images if uh, before this storm comes. He wants well, he wants some aerial images anyway. But he wants some aerial images, and so I'm sitting over here, sitting out in this field, talking to y'all on my cell phone. Oh, okay. Can't ever keep up with one another. We're scattered <laughs> in so many directions now. Uh, but uh, again, welcome everyone to the podcast today. But first of all, for, as we get into, it, we just finished our. Uh, Northeast Research Station, uh, row rice and soybean field day Tuesday afternoon with a new format. So Dennis, can you give us a little quick update on how that went? Oh, it was it was really good. Uh, it was it was hot. I mean, it was at five thirty in the afternoon. It was still hot. We had the tent set up, and we had uh, had some really good speakers. Uh, we focused on everything pretty well focused around row rice. We talked about varieties, insects, uh, disease, talked about weed control. We had uh, um, Donnie Vanderman, who is a local producer. He's him and his brother have been growing row rice uh, for five years, and uh, I think they were actually the first ones in Louisiana to grow it. He talked. He was very good about the pluses and the minuses of it. Uh, then we had uh, you talked, I talked, we talked about our fertigation. Uh, Dr. Josh Copes talked about what we've learned through it and what we're working through. And then we had uh, Dr. Donnie Miller talked about uh, incorporating soybeans into it. Uh, did a really good job, had some really good plots as far as weed control and the rotation aspects. Uh, we had a uh, corn update from Dr. Rick Muscagney and James Hendricks finished us off with cover crops and summer cover crops and fall cover crops and probably the number one thing James said was if you want to plant cover crops this fall you need to be ordering seed now because it, from what he's hearing cover crop seeds are going to be short so you need to be thinking of that but uh, overall we had a really good turnout we had probably a uh, Right around 60 people come, and a third, uh, a third of them were producers. So everybody seemed to have positive uh, aspects. Like I say, it was hot, but it kind of a little bit of a breeze. It wasn't too bad, and then we all ate supper afterwards, and it was a good deal. Well, you know, even you know, when we do it in the morning, it's still it's just hot this time yeah. of the year, whether you do it morning or afternoon, yeah. it doesn't matter. And if you if you if you follow us on Twitter, Dolly was tweeting up a storm over there. <laughs> she was like a little songbird out there. Yeah, well, so, I gotta provide the press. <laughs> my phone liked to blow up on the way home that night with tweets coming in. 
<laughs> you know, so uh, overall, it was a good deal. Everybody seemed pleased, and the feedback we're getting was they really liked it. Very know. good. Very good. I enjoyed the, the format and, and seemed to have a good turnout yesterday as well. So, Yes, uh, the format was good, and I had made the comment there just looking across the crowd that we probably had more true producers there than we've had in a long time at the field day, so I was very well pleased. Yeah, the one comment was made that they like to focus. Yes. You know, being... And yesterday, and this, you know, it was row rice. It's usually was row rice, but it could be another crop or whatever. But they like, they like the focus of it, and that everything revolved around it, and it was to the point, um, you know. And so it uh, it worked really well. Okay, well that's good. Hopefully, we can build on that. Well, as we're sitting here on a Thursday afternoon, all of us are. Trying to decide what to do with the hurricane. Kylie, do you have an update for us on where we're at and what we're looking at in the next few days? Yeah, it looks like a lot of rain headed this way. The track right now looks like it's going to come right over the northeast region, coming right up through Catahoula, Concordia, Parish, Tinsall, and just kind of hugging the Mississippi River there. Um, and that's the latest track that I've seen. Uh, National Weather Service here has that we're supposed to receive two to four inches of rain in less than three hours possible, um, bringing a weekend total to six to ten inches. So wow. be, be leery of flash floods, and, you know, I, I'm concerned about the wind, too. You know, we've got corn that the ground's already saturated, um, it, and especially if you've been irrigating all week before, you know, you've gotten this forecast, you know, where you're at. Um, lots of things to be thinking about, so... Yes, it, we definitely don't need a hurricane with everything else we've had to endure this spring and, and all, but hey, we're going to get what we're going to get, and that's one thing we can't change. Right. I think it's going to be yeah. Category 1 whenever it comes into the, you know Louisiana, and then we should have, I mean, by Sunday, I think it'll, it'll reach our region. Um, well, well the, the original forecast had it going towards Shreveport, I believe, and it yeah. just steadily ticking a little bit to the east we get one two more ticks to the east maybe we'll be okay i'm hoping so i mean we could use some rain we're dry but we don't need 10 inches right 10 plus inches right uh we're already flooded down here so you know where's it gonna go so well at least at least our office down in vidalia on the riverfront of course we Mm -hmm. got the river on one side and the street won't drain into it so (laughs) we have to pump it out but at least our office sits high off the ground i know i know i'll be worried about that come monday morning you know water's gonna run over the embankment under our office and, and run into the into the river before it gets in but there's a good possibility that street's gonna go underwater Wow. It, it's flooded a couple times since we've been in this building. Uh, not the building flooding, but the street flooding. If we get a lot of heavy rain, which it always rains on concrete, my grandfather says, we get a lot of heavy rain, it, uh, it'll it'll go underwater real quick. So, Well, it's, and according to, now I saw, I don't know if they've changed it, but I, it was still, by the time it gets to us, mind your house, Kylie, I mean, we don't, I mean, you live, you live north of Fairy and I live in Waterproof, technically mm-hmm. we're kind of we're, We're not that far apart as yeah. the flies. By the time it gets to us, it's still going to be a Category 1. Yeah, it's National Weather Service is saying it's going to be a slow-moving system. So, you know, lots of potential for heavy rain and, um, you know, 
something to watch out for. So You know, and then the worst part, like one of the guys I was talking with this morning said, if it goes on up through Arkansas, stay straight up that where the path right now oh, into yeah. Arkansas. You know, better whatever rain they get up that away, we're gonna get it. It's got to come mm-hmm. back down the river to us. Oh yeah. So yep. we may we'll, well get a double dose of it, and the river's already high well, enough. And they've been getting well, rain in Arkansas all this, you know, last few yeah. weeks, at least that I've been paying attention to, and so I'm sure they're already kind of at max capacity as it is. So. Yep. 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 Well, in the river, the river it matches is 55 feet. I think it's 55 feet, right around that. And it wasn't supposed to reach flood stage, which is 48, till 1st of August. Yeah, it was going to be a slow fall. This is going to just delay it that much more. It's Uh, still on our building. uh, Yeah. Oh, yeah. You you can literally, you know, they say you can throw a rock and hit the water. You can just (laughs) drop the rock. Yeah. I, one day I went out there and I saw fish swimming around. I was like, oh, wow, it's you know, pretty high. <laughs> well, Dennis, well, what's this going to do to the pumpkins yeah. y'all just planted? Well, that's what I was going to tell Kylie, Kylie, you being the horticulturalist. Um, last, one day last week, I can't remember what it was, they were coming up Tuesday. Monday and Tuesday they were coming up. We planted Betsy's, Betsy's 4-H pumpkin. She always has her 4-H pumpkin patch. We planted pumpkins and watermelons there on the station. You know, mm-hmm. It's always a big deal, and, you know, she she gives them away, and they, I think they sell some for 4-H. I don't know what all they do with them, but we always grow them. But they're just coming up. So what what's it going to do? What's a hurricane going to do to, to, to pumpkins that don't have a true leaf on them yet? We'll see. So we'll, we'll see. What kind, of answer, what kind of answer is that? We'll see. <laughs> I've never said planted pumpkins in a hurricane, so, I, you know. We'll see. <laughs> well, they're, on, they're on good soil, and it does drain, and it shouldn't, I don't know, 10 inches of rain, it might go in the water, so yeah. I don't know. Well, I bet you planting. better have a fungicide ready to hit them with as soon as it dries out. Oh, yeah, definitely. We ran into that uh, last year. It was downy mildew really bad, so. Yeah, well, we'll spray them. If it ever dries up, we'll spray them. Well, after it rains, we'll spray them. Uh, mm-hmm. All right, Kylie, you... Go ahead and tell you. You did a point here again. You put your horticulture hat on. You did an interview. Um, yeah. A, a week last week, I guess, and uh, we saved. Yeah, we did an interview with. Uh, yeah, we did an interview with uh, Dr. Kiki Fontenot, and uh, we covered a few topics on tomatoes and pumpkins. So, um, I guess we'll lead on into that and come back at the end. Good afternoon everyone and I'm here with Dr. Kiki Fontenot today and today we're going to talk about let's see vegetable gardens right? Yes. So first off tell us you know who you are and what you do and then we'll get into it. Okay well my name is Kiki Fontenot and I work for the LSU Ag Center as the state vegetable specialist. So work a little bit with school gardens, home gardeners and commercial producers as well. Anybody who's growing vegetables you're a candidate to work with me. Yeah, and, and everyone likes Kiki, so if you ever want to meet Kiki, Kiki's fun to work with. So um, let's start off with uh, uh, tomatoes and what's going on in the garden and with that. Sure, so <clears throat> there's a lot of stuff going on right now in the gardens with tomatoes. 
Um, all y'all that planted uh, spring tomatoes, you're going to be noticing that your plants are kind of winding down this time of the year. Probably going to be seeing a lot of disease out there in the garden, early blight for sure. And that's usually when your lower leaves start falling off. You're going to see tree rings, what looks like tree rings, uh, circles, and they have darker and light colored circles inside, just as if you would have cut a tree in half. Mm -hmm. You can tell that, and then they kind of just grow bigger until that leaf falls off. And so at this point in the game, there's no use trying to control that anymore. Mm -hmm. um, one of the other diseases I've seen a lot in the um, tomatoes this year is buckeye rot. So we've got blossom end rot, which a lot of our listeners are probably familiar with. That's yeah, we've where, had a lot of calls on that one. Oh yeah, that's the bottom of the tomato. So the blossom end, literally where the where the blossom was, it's your tomato's going to start rotting. It's going to look like and kind of sinking inwards and turning black, and that's a lack of calcium. Uh, in the fruit. So okay. what's happening is you might have enough calcium in your soil, mm -hmm. but if you furrow irrigate or you turn on the soaker hose once every week and you forget yeah. it's on and you know you leave it on overnight, right. you have inconsistent irrigation, you're going to have that problem. Okay. So you can get over that blossom end rot by doing a couple things. One, water at the base of the plants and be consistent with your watering a little bit each day, which is kind of contradictive to what we tell most people. <laughs> right. You usually water, you know, say like your oak trees, your azaleas, you want to water them sporadically and deeply, right, mm -hmm. to force their top yeah. roots to go down. But with tomatoes and, and their sensitivity to this blossom and rot, mm -hmm. we like just a little bit of water each day to keep bringing that calcium into that fruit. Awesome. Um, the other thing you can do is when those plants start blooming, mm -hmm. um, put a little side dress, which is a little like a lay-by treatment mm -hmm. or a little extra fertilizer with ca using calcium nitrate. And okay. that'll help you out with your blossom and rot. Okay. If you're growing in a pot, yep. make it a bigger pot. If you notice you're always having blossom and rot, the bigger the pot, the more water is conserved in that pot throughout okay. the day, and you don't have to water in the morning and at night. So you don't have as much blossom and rot when you have a bigger pot with better water holding capacity. Okay. But the other disease that we've seen that people get mixed up with blossom and rot is buckeye rot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So buckeye rot's kind of still um, towards the base of the side of the tomato, and it's going to turn like a dark brown again, but just on the fruit. It's going to have a like a dark brown with like even darker brown concentric rings on that fruit. And you're gonna notice it on the lower fruit because what's happening is soil splashing up, hitting those tomatoes, mm -hmm. causing that problem. Yeah. Buckeye rot, you don't usually see problems on the foliage, okay. just on the fruit. And with this, uh, earlier in the season, we were real wet. We've seen a lot of that. Yeah, I would imagine that's going to start coming yeah. in, at, in, at least in special places. I know there's gotten a lot of rain. So. Oh, yeah. So so this time of year, Kylie, I would really, you know, start looking at taking my spring tomatoes out of the garden. Okay. You know, they're pretty much playing out at mm -hmm. this point. Well, yeah, well, let's move on into fall planting. You know, what varieties do you recommend? I know they make heat tolerance and stuff like that. So what does LSU like? Sure, sure. So now is the time to get um, ready for your heat-tolerant tomatoes. So you mm -hmm. probably want to wait until late July Okay. and go ahead and um, pull out your old stuff. If you've got tomatoes in the garden now, at least rotate over a couple of rows. Don't mm -hmm. put tomatoes followed by tomatoes right back in again. Okay. You know? So switch up pots or switch up rows, put it on the opposite side of the garden. Mm -hmm. um, and you want to go with heat set varieties. And the difference in heat set and just your regular, your heirloom tomatoes is that the pollen is still viable with our high nighttime temperatures. Mm-hmm. So this time of year, we don't get any relief. At night, it's just no, as hot, hot as it is during the day. It's <laughs> yeah. like, it doesn't matter, right? <laughs> so anytime those nighttime temperatures go above 75 degrees Fahrenheit, mm -hmm. your pollen starts to get damaged by the heat, mm -hmm. especially on 
more sensitive type tomatoes. Mm -hmm. So you want to pick tomatoes this time of year that where the name connotates heat, like Florida 91 or mm -hmm. Phoenix, okay. Solar Set, mm -hmm. Sun Leaper, think things that sound hot. Okay. We've got a couple others that we like. Bella Rosa is probably one of my absolute favorite yeah, like big that tomatoes. Yeah. It's a good spring. It's heat set. You can plant it in the fall. Yeah. Beautiful tomato. Mm -hmm. um, BHN 216 is a heat set. And then we've got, uh, sorry, I said Phoenix already. Red Bounty is another good one. And we've okay. done Red Bounty in variety trials before. And it it produces pretty well. It's not okay. one of the top producers, but you just got to get what you can get in yeah. the fall. <laughs> so yeah. the other big problem, you know, with, with uh, fall tomatoes is not just the, the capability of producing tomatoes uh, with the heat. So your non-heat sets, mm -hmm. they're going to still produce gorgeous leaves, tons of flowers, but gotcha. you'll notice your flower is just going to fall off. Okay. They'll start producing when it gets cooler again, but that not, might not be till right. um, October, oh. early November. If we mm -hmm. get an early cool snap, you've mm -hmm. lost your window. Right. Um, but the other thing you've got to worry about this time of year is worms. Mm -hmm. So the fall is dense with worms and stink bugs, all our insects. Oh, yeah. Right now we're seeing a lot of fruit worms. So you'll notice on your tomatoes, they'll be like a hole you know, maybe the size of a pencil eraser. Mm -hmm. If you cut into that, you're going to see a worm in there. Yeah. So you want to be careful with uh, spraying, mm -hmm. you know, for that, especially as soon as you see it, you got to start on a spray schedule. Otherwise, every single one of your pretty tomatoes is going to have what that in it. What do you recommend for that? For worms, um, we like to use, if you want to go organic, mm -hmm. uh, BT. Okay. That's going to work fine. Um, and if you are okay with synthetic in insecticides, you know, think products like Seven, okay. um, Orthobug Begone yeah. as a pyrethroid, mm -hmm. that'll work just fine. Okay. Uh, you know, things of that nature will work, okay. work well, good. Well, let's move into weed control on the garden because mm -hmm. that's, you know, when just looking at gardens, that's everyone's issue, you know. Yeah. What do you like to see people do? Sure. So, again, this time of year, it's like... Some gardeners are full thrust, and others of us, we're abandoning shit. Yeah, we're you know, getting tired. It's, it's, hot, it's hot, and we're <laughs> out of there. We don't want this anymore. So you start seeing a lot more weeds creep up mm -hmm. this time of the year. Um, it's always best if you can um, pull them. Okay, in the small home garden, yeah. you know, get out your hoe, pull them, do whatever you can. So if you see weeds coming up now before they set seed, because right. once they set seed, you've got problems You're for ruined. years, yeah. you yeah. know. But uh, I like several things. Uh, in the home garden, it's going to be cultivation, hand pulling, and then mulching. Mm -hmm. So for mulching, uh, pine straw okay. or leaves, best mulches for the vegetable garden. We don't want to go with barks because barks decompose slowly and tie up our nitrogen, which is not okay. good for a, a short annual crop like vegetables. Okay. Um, if you don't want to do mulches, because maybe you've had a lot of slug or snail problems mm -hmm. and they love living under oh, that yes. organic material yeah. and you're like, oh, I don't want to deal with that. <clears throat> you can use some pre-emergent herbicides. Okay. You know, now those are going to work before the weeds come up. So if you already have a bunch of weeds, we'll talk about that in a second. But say you're starting out clean. You've retilled. You're going to put mm -hmm. in your fall tomatoes. Maybe, you know, get ready for the fall crop. Mm -hmm. So uh, things like trefflan, those are that's labeled for vegetables. Okay. Um, Preen makes it. You can find it at any of your big box stores and your local hardware yeah. stores, your local feed stores. Yep. They're going to sell that. Okay, that's you know, trefflian is going to be synthetic. If you want to go organic, you can use corn gluten mill. Oh. Um, and that works too. It's just a whole lot heavier application in a smaller area. I think, yeah. I may be wrong, but I think the rate is like five pounds per hundred square feet. Ooh. So it's a lot of material you got to put out, but that works as well. Now, both those products only work for about three months. So then you, like yeah. on day yeah. two month, 20, day 28, you better reapply, you yeah. know, to make sure it works. Mm -hmm. Um, 
one of the easiest things for those of y'all having weed problems now are grasses to control uh -huh. in the vegetable garden. Yeah. So that's easy because most of our vegetables, you know, with exceptions like sweet corn, are going to be broadleafs. Mm -hmm. So you can kill the grasses with things like uh, Cethoxidin, okay. which y'all can get, again, at any of the big box stores or any of your local mm -hmm. nurseries. Just ask them for a product with Cethoxidin in the label or as the active ingredient. Now, it works much better if you put a crop oil with it or a surfactant. You know, okay. even you home gardeners, a couple of drops of Dawn soap in there, you know, something to help it stick right. to yeah. that, mm -hmm. to that uh, herbicide. It's not going to kill your broadleaf plants. So okay. it's only going to kill grasses creeping in. Okay. So that that's good. When mm -hmm. we talk about broadleaf weeds in a broadleaf vegetable garden, we're just sheer out of luck. <laughs> you know, you got to use your pre-emergence for yeah. that. But um, the other big thing is nuts edge. Yeah. Know, in the vegetable gardens. Yeah. That's, that's anything. That, <laughs> that's my worst weed right there. It's everybody's worst uh -huh. weed. It's awful. Um, if you guys are okay with using Roundup, you mm -hmm. can take Roundup and mix it in a bucket at the mm -hmm. highest recommended rate on the label, and you can wear a cotton or a, a put on like a latex or a rubber glove, and then put a cotton glove over that, mm -hmm. and you can wipe up the sheath of that leaf, okay. and that'll spot kill the um, the cocoa grass or the nut sedge yeah. coming up. All right. Um, a lot of people don't like that, though. You know, you get a little splash near your tomatoes or on any of your vegetable plants, and they're gone yeah, for. Yeah, they they're very like sensitive. It. Yeah. So um, the only other product that is available to you guys is um, products with halosulfuron mm -hmm. as the active ingredient. And that is super expensive, and you better know somebody who's a big farmer <laughs> who already has it in there, you know, <laughs> in their shed and beg, borrow, steal off of them. Yeah, because, it's expensive. Yeah, it's 0.75 ounces per acre twice a year. That's all you can use, mm -hmm. but it is really expensive. It works. But it's excellent on post-emergent control mm -hmm. of of nut sedge. But yeah. again, if, if your husband or neighbor or somebody's a farmer, you know, Bring them some brownies and ask them what they got in the shed and see if you can you can get some from them. But you're probably not going to put it on the grocery list. <laughs> yeah, it's expensive. Well, let's talk about uh, pumpkins. I know everybody's either started planting pumpkins or getting yes. ready to start. Yeah, so. yep. In fact, my own home garden this weekend. That's one of the things I did was clear everything out to get ready for pumpkins. Yeah. And we just delivered some pumpkin seed up to the mm -hmm. Northeast Research mm -hmm. Station. So we're looking, looking at another pumpkin crop this year and. Mm -hmm. The best time to grow pumpkins, really, you can start growing pumpkins early in the spring. You can start growing pumpkins if you want in April, mm -hmm. you know, and you can go all the way through August planting pumpkins, mm -hmm. but most people are not planting pumpkins to eat. They're planting pumpkins for decoration. Right. Yeah. So we really want to get it out that last week of June. Oops. First week of July. <laughs> so if you're listening to this podcast this week, this yeah. coming weekend, get your pumpkins out. Because um, you're probably going to be planting by seed unless mm -hmm. you can find somebody who has transplants. And um, now is the time to plant your pumpkins so that they're coming off about that first week of October so mm -hmm. that you can enjoy them, you know, the whole month of October for yeah. Halloween and Thanksgiving mm -hmm. and things like that. Yeah. And just working with you, some of the varieties that we've planted, we, if you're looking for a, a good, I guess, called jack-o'-lantern style pumpkin, um, I like that Connecticut field. That's just an easy-growing variety for just about anybody to play with so oh yeah yeah and it's easy to find uh -huh. um locally the right seed. yeah we uh, i know that we picked it up at sullivan's in winsboro so yeah 
the but, Connecticut field, and if you want big pumpkins, a lot of people like. Uh, now these aren't the jack o' lantern style, mm-hmm. but they're they're actually a true squash. They're not a pumpkin, but people use them as mm-hmm. pumpkins. They get up 25, 30 pounds. They're called Cinderellas, and mm-hmm. they're squat. Yeah, and those, those are popular in Baton Rouge. Oh, <laughs> they are, you know, you're looking at a ten dollar, fifteen dollar pumpkin, yes. yeah. but they're so easy to plant, and mm-hmm. they grow so well here in Louisiana. So I'd try that. Yeah, and they make sure. the best arrangements too, because I know a lot of people like to stack them by their door, so mm-hmm. they're very popular with that. And then you know, there's uh, don't forget all the little small pumpkins and the mm-hmm. gourds. A lot of times, you know, you go to the grocery store and you're going to see these gourds, you know, three for two or four dollars or whatever they start getting expensive Mm -hmm. especially if you want to do a big table arrangement with them you know the little small gourds are real easy to grow here in louisiana so the bigger pumpkins we have a little more trouble with the small ones Mm -hmm. you know we do well with biggest thing with pumpkins is putting out your fertilizer and then making sure you're watching for uh for worms slugs Mm -hmm. and snails because those are the biggest culprits there yeah Mm -hmm. well let's talk about soil sampling to finish up um we've you know had a lot of people doing a lot of you know late season soil sampling in their garden and a lot of people have had um their samples come back high what Mm -hmm. are your thoughts on that and what do you you know think we need to be looking at sure that's a great question you know especially for uh the smaller or the home gardeners Mm -hmm. um i guess my biggest concern always when i'm looking at the soil sample is the ph Mm -hmm. so if your ph is high we've got to deal with that Mm -hmm. most vegetables want to be between that 5.5 to 6.5 range Mm -hmm. now even in home garden situations if you guys are getting close to seven I'm not trying to mess with that because yeah. it's so it's such a delicate balance, right. you know, when you're adding limes mm-hmm. and sulfurs and everything. So if you're in that range, you're you're fine right there. But then when you look at, you know, things like phosphorus and potassium and it says high or even excessively mm-hmm. high, people tend to worry and they start thinking, oh, should I leach this out or, right. it, you know, is my crop going to burn up? Mm-hmm. And that's not really the case. What it's telling you is it's telling you that there's enough of that nutrient in the soil that without adding any more to the soil, you're going to make what you should make, like your uh, target yields, I guess you could say, right? Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't start panicking. Mm -hmm. The only time I panic is when that pH goes above seven. We got a real problem there. And if you see that your sodium Mm -hmm. is very high, that could be a problem, Um, you know, and then that might require a little bit of leaching out and and looking at there. But as far as the nutrients, I wouldn't, wouldn't worry about it too Mm -hmm. much, you know? Well, um, well, thank you, Kiki, for being with us today. And Anytime. Yeah, we'll have to get you on again sometime, probably at the beginning of next growing season in the spring. So if you're Sounds available. Good. All right, well, thank you. All right, thanks, Kylie. That was great. You know, it makes me want to go out and plant a garden, but I already got a garden. So <laughs> anyway, we'll, we'll, but it makes you want to do it. makes you want to get out. And, Kiki's always a good, she's always good for talks. Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, all right, we got, we've had that. Let's, let's talk about the question of the week. Uh, who's got a question of the week? I've got one for y'all. Uh, you know, we've been dealing with this seat water really bad up here in East Carroll Parish, all the way to the Arkansas line, and I'm sure it goes on up into Arkansas along the river there. Uh, worst we've ever seen, you know, I was talking to one old gentleman this morning, was 81 years old, been on that farm all of his life and never seen it in places it is this year. But anyway, what we're seeing in a lot of those fields that's laid out up there, we see this real wide-bladed, really tall grass growing in there and 
everybody wants, you know, first question was, what is it? You know, they asked me, well, you know, I wasn't paying attention. I'm just riding down the road looking out across there. You know, wasn't, wasn't really paying a whole lot of attention to it. And anybody got an idea what it might be? I uh, don't know. We, I hadn't noticed anything around here. I hadn't, I hadn't seen anything. Uh, now I, ain't, I ain't, it's not John. I know it's not Johnson. No, Johnson grass doesn't grow. Won't grow in water. Mm. What is it? What it, is it? It's cattails. Hmm. The old cattails yeah. you see growing on ditch banks, you know, irrigation ditches, you know that. Yeah. Where that soil has been saturated either total, you know, just saturated or standing water on it since uh, probably the first of the year. Cattails are coming up, and I'm talking fields that's been in cultivation for 100 plus years. Wow. Where do they come from now? Uh, uh, Seed banking, soil seed bank, just waiting on the right condition? That's all I can come up with, you know. You know, back before the levee system, when all that was flooding, you know, it was in a swamp, so surely they were growing some along the edges in. And I reckon it's just like, you know, we've seen cocoa birds and other weeds of uh, laying that soil dormant forever until conditions get right. So I reckon we had enough soil moisture and warm enough temperatures that they've germinated and we have cattails growing everywhere up here. In fields. I'll have to pay right. attention for that. I hadn't noticed that around here. Well, that's, that's what it is. Just be on the look at that. You know, because normally we don't recognize well, them until they put their head up. Right. But yeah. this, I, I it's a, a real wide bladed and grass is probably, I'm calling it a grass. Don't know if it's true grass or not, but it's about five to six foot tall. I got a follow-up question. Uh-oh. Guys. If the cattails are there and with seep water and the river's still high, you can't do anything with it. I mean, most of what I see hadn't had anything with, done with it. Um, does cattails be out there change its delineation from farmland to wetland? We don't need to open that can of worms. <laughs> Just thought I'd ask. I don't think we need to open that can of worms because, you know, what is that sidebuster rule? Isn't that sidebuster rule? If it has water on well, it for so many months out of a year? Well, well, I is yeah. We don't That's need no making right. yeah. <laughs> well, just, just forget I just forget I asked. Anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know. Well, hey, That's let's go we, into the events that are coming on. Let's okay. move right along. Yeah, Kyle, let's get us out of this trouble. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, let's talk about the Northeast Louisiana Rice Field Day. That one's coming up next Thursday, July 18th. Um, registration will begin at 8.30 at Jason Waller's Farm in Marouge. Um, the guest speakers are going to be your Dustin Harold and, you know, Sieb. And uh, I think Jason is also going to talk, too, about, you know, the project that they've been doing. Um, and then they're going to serve lunch at a different location um, at St. Andrew's Lodge, and that's going to be in Marouge, too. So if anybody needs directions to that, of course, reach out to us, and we'll get that flyer in your hands. Um, and the last field day of the year is the Sweet Potato Field Day, and that one's going to be at Delhi at Black Gold. So um, if you're interested in sweet potatoes, that's always a fun one to come to. All right. Well, thank you, Kylie. Uh, anything else, guys, we need to cover? 
I think we're good. All right. Probably covered too much. Well, we probably have. Well, let's wrap <laughs> this up and get out of here before we get in any more trouble. And uh, thank you again, everyone, for for joining us on the podcast here. And like always, we ask if you've got any suggestions for topics you want us to cover, uh, reach out to one of us, let us know, and we'll do our best. And uh, hopefully everybody gets through the hurricane with minimal amount of damage, uh, even not zero damage. But uh, if not, we'll see y'all next week on the, on the pod. Thanks for listening. All right, thanks. The Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast is produced by the LSU Ag Center Extension Service. For more information, visit the LSUAgCenter.com or contact your local extension office.